all weekend, all Jacob has done is just humble my balls. Post game beers. We are the Lupton Drinking Club. We're thrilled to be here recapping the week of games for Frogball USA. Towards the end, we will preview our first Big 12 matchup versus Baylor, but we have a lot to talk about over the last uh, week. Post game beers brought to you by Long Drink, the Finnish legend, our favorite beverage while potting or honestly uh, doing anything at this point. Um, also, we want to shout out our good friends at Sarlos and Sons Winery and Vineyard. Located in Los Olivos, California, just a short jaunt from Santa Barbara. They've got wine. They've got merch. You guys should check them out. I'm your host, Kyle Malloy, at YellMK. Joining me, as always, is Jacob Sailors at JD Sailors, the master of activities. Jacob, how are these Sweep Sunday posties? Happy Sweep Sunday, MK. Happy Sweep Sunday, boys. My energy is high today, but my voice is low because I've been screaming for 27 innings in two days. So hopefully we can get through this and I won't die. Rounding out the LDC is Crazy Ray Cartwright, our stat man, Martin Guerrero, and producer Reed Simpson. Guys, how are we feeling after mutually destroying but also respecting the troops all weekend? Respect the troops, but we obliterated their franchise. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, before we jump into recapping the week, let's give uh, – if you guys have any shout-outs for the week um, – I know we have a couple uh, other teams outside of baseball that we might want to mention. So first, we mentioned beach volleyball last weekend, but guess what, folks? They are still on a tear. Those girls are 15-0 and on the season, including 5-0 and against top 10 opponents. They are bringing home, listen to this, the outrigger Queens Cup from Manoa, Hawaii, back to the fort. Great job, ladies. Uh, anybody else you guys want to mention for shout-outs? Brother, you forgot about Rifle. I didn't forget. I'm just uh, passing over to you. Just testing you. Just testing you. So um, so give me the details on Rifle. I know they're awesome. It was actually it was a really tough competition. Yeah, I you mean, got the Alaskan Fairbanks, the Nanooks, as we found out. They uh-huh. were very tough out. And then Kentucky, who uh, took they, the overall competition. They won it last year, too, right? Uh, they did, yes. Well, they took the overall, so there was some confusion on Saturday when we were checking our phones. Yeah, we're, we're bearing the lead a little bit, but the, the rifle team got the Air Rifle National Champions crown for 2022. So is there three? Yeah. How does it work? Somebody help me out here. You guys were, so that's why I want to throw it out to Martin and Ray, who were actually, quote-unquote, watching this online. Quote unquote, I think they literally were watching it. Can you tell us what it looks like to watch an Air Rifle match online? Well, it's um, if you don't know, if you've never watched it before, it's kind of hard to uh, figure out. Um, once it gets going, you can uh, kind of get in, see what they're doing. They show, they do a good job of showing where like the shots are landing. Was it entertaining? 
no, it was uh, it was a tough one. I mean, it is what it is. Like, if we're awesome at it, we're going to be interested. So, but, I mean, if the production you don't is... actually get to see the girls shooting. Is that correct? Uh, you do sh- see them shooting, uh, kind of from a side angle. Okay. So, so it's like so the live stream is really close on the backs of the shooters. So you don't get to see what they're shooting at or anything. Honestly, I had I enjoyed it a lot more just watching the live scoring. Just, uh, you know, seeing the dots showing where they hit. So there's there's three championships. There's an overall uh, air and a bore. There's small bore. Small bore. Air rifle. And then the total is like the legit national champion. No, we're legit national champions. Yeah, yeah F it. We're, we're, we're hanging a banner. It's our podcast. Sure. We can say whatever we want. We're legit national champions. We're still Let's hanging banners. That's right. Let's Congratulations go. To, to, to the ladies' rifle Yeah, they're team. so good. They've also, been good forever. We have an all-ladies rifle team. They were playing against some boys. Is that correct? Those moonshine boys from Kentucky were uh, a tough out. But Man, yeah. I'm so sick of Kentucky. <laughs> Brother, um, you and me both after do we have last an, two weeks. Do we have breaking news on Selection Sunday for basketball? We do. So you guys are hearing this a few days late. Um, you already know the answer. but the frogs, I don't know the answer. Uh, you don't know the I answer. I don't know the answer. The frogs are a nine seed. In the Ooh. South region. We were robbed. Uh, we are talking about basketball, by the way. Uh, we will be playing Seton Hall for the first game. Oh, uh, we're going to smoke them. Yeah, the Pirates are terrible. I've always hated the Pirates. Oh, dude. There's one team I can't stand. A bunch it's, of little angry Pirates there. Here's some, here's some trivia. Do you guys know what our um, all, like, all-time all record against the Pirates is? 37-0. 1-0. 420-69. We've literally nice. never played. But oh. I've always hated the Pirates. Okay. <laughs> I can't stand them. Who do they think they are? All right, so I heard something about uh, hating Kentucky. Let, let's let's jump into that real quick. You guys ready to recap some games from the last week? No. No. No, I'm not. Because we, real quick, before we move on to games, we got to hang out with uh, Keith yesterday. Keith Sarlos. Can't pass over that. Shout no, we cannot. Sarlos. Sarlos. I'll run another foul pole. Yeah, no, it was fun. We had a doubleheader yesterday. Sadly, um, so we advertised we were going to have that happy hour with long drink up, up at Dutch's this Friday, and weather did not cooperate, of course, so that sucks. But that means we had a doubleheader on Saturday. Uh, Keith, uh, who is Kurt's, Kurt Sarlos' brother, was in town from California. Um, I he, think He's the chief dude at Sarlos & Sons right, Winery. Yeah. yeah, and good friend of the podcast, good friend of the Lupton Drinking Club, and uh, yeah, he was he was a super nice guy, really fun to hang out with. Not only did he send us new mics, you know, to improve our quality, but he's out there buying, you know, the LDC Coors Lights at Lupton. So, so. MK mentioned it, but go check out that merch and that wine. It's it's really quality stuff. I finally checked the website, and I'm like, dang, I need to, need to pony up some bucks and... Keith, great to meet you. Uh, your family's delightful. Uh, we, we'd love to have you back in the four-day time, so... Okay, now, MK, let's, let's talk baseball. You ready? Let's do it. All right, Tuesday, uh, there was a forgettable game. Actually, it's not forgettable. Uh, we're going to yeah, talk about it. So it's an 11 a.m. game. Everybody's at work. Uh, let's talk about the ending. The Frogs lost 9-8. to So it looks like a close game from the first pitch, right? Uh, wrong. So Frogs start with pretty terrible contact from the first couple innings. They're striking out three up, three down the first couple innings. Our pitcher, Cam Brown, allowed two runs early um, after a bunch of Louisville hits. So... In the third inning, we finally get some runners on. Unfortunately, uh, Logan Maxwell, Eli, Luke Boyers, they get, they get three straight non-productive outs. It was kind of a theme that early early on in the game. Right. We just could not get things rolling um, with, with even runners on. So it's kind of rough to have some runners in scoring position and not push anything across. After four innings, the Frogs were one hit. We had a single hit so far in the game. It was kind of depressing at that point. 
Well, I'm going to flash forward to later in the game. Louisville went up nine to nothing. Uh, then, you know, we're thinking at this point, are, are you guys watching the game? We're texting each other. Anyone still paying attention? Frog scores uh, four runs in the seventh inning. They cut the lead a little bit, so it's kind of one of those, hey, do we have some hope here? In the eighth inning, the Louisville pitchers continue to give up walk after walk. They allow a few hits. And at the end of that inning, the Frogs were down only 9-8. to eight. Uh, We had the winning run coming into home plate. Luke Boyers, unfortunately, gets thrown out at the plate. That could have mm-hmm. tied the game in the eighth inning. There was a review at the plate to see if the catcher was Shocker, blocking. we lost it. To see if the, review was, if the catcher was actually blocking the plate. But honestly, it wasn't a great slide uh, from Luke, so he was extremely out when you, you, know, you kind of reviewed and He that. never really had a chance. Frogs lose 9-8. to It was an exciting game. Um, kind of a terrible ending to their trip to the Bluegrass State. We only won one of four games while, while there. So, guys, uh, before we go into Frogs Up, Frogs Down, anything that I missed from the recap of the game? Just from my perspective, tuning into that game, sitting in the office, being non-productive at work, and uh, seeing Cam kind of struggle a little early was frustrating. But you know what? That's just part of the the growing process with these guys who are super talented. We saw it with Nick Lodolo like early in his career. He had some ups and downs, and we knew he was super talented, but at times he would lose command, and that's what, what we saw from Cam. And it especially sucked because we were coming off of losing two or three from Kentucky. So it was just, you know, I, I wasn't having fun, <laughs> honestly. And uh, I said, okay, I'm at work and I'm falling way behind. Um, it's, what was it, eight, nine, nothing. I said, I went golfing. you know, it's not that I gave up. It was just my time is better spent actually being productive at work and keeping my job. So I tuned out and then I tuned back in just in time. My ESPN app loaded just in time to see Luke Boyers get thrown out at home. So if you want to blame anybody for the loss, blame me. I should have just Deal. Luke would have been safe had I not loaded, reloaded the game. But what we've seen, and we'll talk about this more as we get into Army, but this team literally never quits. I mean, you hear teams say that, never, ever give up. We're always still in. This team literally believes it and they practice it. We have not had an easy loss yet. All of our loss, we've made teams absolutely earn every win that they've gotten on us. And, man, I, that's, I really think that's going to pay off when we get into conference play. So that's going to be my takeaway is Cam Brown growing and developing, and this team does not quit, and I love it. Ray Martin, uh, any, any highlights or, or lowlights that you want to mention from that game? Um, I mean, it was kind of, uh, kind of felt like a low-energy game. It was at a weird time. You know, you felt like, uh, I mean, everyone was at work. I was at work listening to the broadcast. Uh, Chuck, through my uh, headphones, Chuck Lemondola. Yeah, the one and only. Just messing with you. Go on. No, I think Jacob hit it uh, perfectly. These are some battle-tested frogs. They are never out of a game. And we should mention, too, it was our first road trip. You know, first true road trip. With a young team, I mean, that's that's something that they're going to have to adjust to. So these games... They're supposed to pay off later in the season, and I, I think it will, man. I think they'll be fine. So another almost comeback, unfortunately, was short, just like our San Diego State uh, game. Uh, uh, Cal. Cal. Was it Cal? Well, back? Cal, we actually took the lead on. San we won. Cal, we, we right. tried to. Yeah, yeah. Cal, but, we but came back tight. To, to your point, the grit, the never ever give up, all that. It's actually real with this team. It's awesome to see. One of the frogs up was uh, Cohen Feaser. He came in late, uh, yeah. gave up zero runs. We're going to talk about him later in the episode because overall he had a fantastic week. Um, other other downsides from that game, uh, just couldn't get anything going early. We talked about that a little bit earlier, but Storm 
uh, Hairholzer doesn't get through a full inning, gives up five earned runs, including a homer, triple, a few wild pitches. So it took uh, another pitcher, Connor Oliver, to come in and kind of settle things down. And that's just more development. You know, in a conference game, you probably don't see Storm come in there. Maybe you do, maybe you don't. But use these Tuesday games as kind of growing and development. And sometimes when you're a fan, it sucks to see because you're just locked into this one particular game. You really want to win it. But I think coaches sometimes will use these games for the big picture, knowing that it might not work out because these guys just got to go through the battles and they got to learn, they got to grow. Cam Brown had to go through it. Um, Owen Feaster seems to be growing up a lot quicker than any of us ever expected because we'll talk, dang, about, him we'll talk about him more. Yeah. yeah. Oh, no, I was going to hit on uh, Cohen, uh, too. He had a wipeout slider in that game that just uh, sent uh, one of Louisville uh, batters into uh, he looked like Tasmanian the Tasmanian Devil. devil yeah, spinning yeah, sure. at it. So, Frogs leave the Bluegrass State one and, or one and three. Not a great road chip. Uh, we'll be back after the break to talk about the weekend series versus Army. Zilli, the California native, started his career at Georgia Tech. Pinch it in the eighth inning and walked. Chance to be a hero here in the bottom of the tenth. Ground ball, base hit right field. Fear the frog. TCU advances. Down seven runs going into the bottom of the eighth. The TCU Horn Frogs come back to win in extras. What a crazy night at Lufton Stadium. Welcome back to Post Game Beers. Let's jump into the series versus Army. So we'll talk about our first game. Not on Friday night, it was actually on Saturday. Uh, they delayed the game on on Friday just due to some cold weather. Honestly, there wasn't even. It was supposed to rain, but it didn't. I think it was just cold. What do you call that? The wintry mix on Friday night. Yeah. yeah so it was chilly. So I'm kind of glad they they delayed it because Saturday was actually much more beautiful. We were outside, um, got a little warm at some time. So Cornelio on the bump for the first game Surprising. of the weekend. Yep. Instead of our previous uh, Friday starter, Austin Crob. Pro, excuse me. Austin Globe Life, Austin Crow Life Park. I'm going to keep saying it a million times until I get it right. Austin, sorry about that. In the first and second inning, uh, Riley overthrew it uh, a couple times to pick off a runner, both times at first and second. Fake runs. Both of these uh, led to the runner advancing, and they eventually scored. So fundamentals, guys. But for the Frog offense, they looked like they wanted to break through the entire game. And it looked they they wanted to dominate this, this starting pitcher for Army the entire game. It just never happened. Uh, after loading the bases in the first, they couldn't push anyone to cross. In the second, it looked like another potential rally, but we had to strike him out, throw him out. Um, however, I'm going to pause now because I'd like to discuss the question you're all asking. How did Lukey B, Luke Boyers, get on base in this inning, you ask? By laying down the best bunt I've literally ever seen in my life. Great um, bunt. Where did he do it from? Bearing the lead. Oh, yeah. We're, we're going to talk about that a little bit Okay, later. I'll wait. We'll talk about it a little bit later. So, Luke Boyers, the seven-hole hitter. The seven-hole. <laughs> the seven-hole hitter. Amazing. He dropped a amazing bunt. It died in immediate death in the grass. It was a little too far for the catcher to grab it. The pitcher uh, picked it up, overthrew it to first base. Uh, we were sitting there in the front row going nuts. 
watching Luke Boyers drop a bunt. Such a confidence builder. Yeah. You know, when you drop when you're struggling and you drop down a bunt like that, it, it makes you believe in yourself again. And um, if he was still hitting in the two hole, he doesn't drop that bunt. You know, he says, I'm I'm power guy. I, I need to drive the ball to the gap over the fence. From the seven hole, he says, Oh, F it, I'm gonna drop down this bunt, I'm gonna get my confidence back and uh, we'll get into it. It obviously paid off later in the game. Was that to lead off the inning? It was his first at bat, I believe. Was it not? It was his first at bat. Um, it was the second inning. I'm not sure if it was a leadoff though. Yeah, I don't think anybody was on base. Though. Yeah, nobody. No, it was a base, straight yeah. bunt for yeah. a base hit, yeah, not a sack or anything like that. Yeah, he wasn't. It was beautiful, you know. Yeah. So frogs kept hitting. They just couldn't get anything done. We saw Braden Taylor smoke some to right field, and just nothing was dropping. Um, then we saw Army come up. This half swing shot that we were, that we were convinced was dropping into uh, you know maybe halfway between. Uh, was it Luke and, and Eli? Somehow it goes over the fence. I got real excited when you started bringing this up, and I was about to interrupt you, and I had to bite my tongue. Good job. But, but when I saw that ball off the bat, I said, easy out. And when that thing flew over the fence. I was like, what the F? How did that happen? We're in Lupton. This never happens in Lupton. Lupton's that, a big it was a part. half swing. It was, he half swung at that ball. That should not have gone out. Out of love, especially in the cold. Come on, what was that? The wind was throwing some military appreciation. <laughs> There's that. <laughs> so we found ourselves down four to nothing, and I don't feel like Army earned a single one of those four runs. It was a rough start. Um, fortunately, in the third, in the bottom half of that inning, Curtis Byrne smoked a, a ball over the left field fence to make it a one-run game. Frogs were only down four to three at this point. Um, Can I stop there? Yeah, go for it. So I'm watching this at bat, and I believe on a zero-zero count. The pitcher started Curtis with a curveball or some kind of breaking ball that Curtis completely swung out of his shoes. So he's down 0-1, and the pitcher's up there like, dang, I found the secret sauce. Let me run this back again. Throws the exact same pitch. Curtis smokes it over the fence. I said, how dare you throw my guy? How, how do you insult Curtis like that, throwing him the same pitch twice? Like he's not going to make an adjustment. And I just thought that was just such a beautiful kind of – Okay, you fooled me once. Shame on you. What's the, the shame score? on me? What, what's the no? Fool the, me twice. Yeah, fool yeah. right. Okay. You sound like George Bush yeah, right George now. Bush. <laughs> anyway, so he said, <laughs> "Yeah, they gonna fool me in." Yeah, yeah. So, the LDC knows things. <laughs> <laughs> now, just that Bush quote came to mind. I thought, anyway, so he adjusted. He smoked it over the fence. Go on, MK. I just yeah. wanted to throw that in. There you go. It, it was awesome to see. Um, it's that his second home run for the of the year? So it's nice to see some power. From a couple guys. There's no scoring after that from either team through uh, fourth to the eighth inning. But gosh, so, we kept threatening, though. Yeah, we kept threatening the whole time. It was frustrating for TCU's offense. One bright spot during this whole time, Cohen Feaser. We've said his name before. Here he comes in to come in relief in the sixth. He completely shut down Army for the rest of the game. He allowed two hits, no walks, struck out four. Great to see, and it was awesome to see him come out of the bullpen and just kind of let you know, light him up. It's because we told him to change his Twitter bio from recruit to stud on the mound. That's why. He had that you added confidence. added him? Well, it was Ray. He oh. DM'd him and said, dude, you need to change your uh, profile. You're no longer a recruit. He's you're, no longer a TCU. taker of souls. Yeah, he's no longer a So TCU that gave him the man. confidence he needed, and that's why he dominated. Let's jump to the end of the game. It's <laughs> the bottom of the ninth. The Frogs are down 4-3. to three. Couple guys get on base. There are now two outs, and who walks up to the plate? Our hero. Then none other than seven-hole rookie Yee Yee Boyers. Yee Yee. I'd like to go on the record that none of the Lupton Drinking Club in the stands ever said, "Well, this game's over." Thank you for knowing that. 
we didn't say it. We we just we were nervous, of course. It's the end of the game, but the energy was not negative. So let me add on to that. I think from the third inning on, I said, okay, this is our inning. It never felt like we were going to lose that game because we, we threatened in the first. We had a couple guys on, nobody out. Uh, we didn't score. And, and it kind of maintained that same theme throughout the game. But I never, like, we all, we all were like, it's just a matter of time. Uh-huh. And even when, okay, so David Bishop leads off the ninth. Um, he hits a difficult ball to short. He reaches. So, okay, okay. Now, it's happening, right? Lupton Magic, this thing, it's definitely happening. Uh, next guy gets on. I don't have how he did, maybe a walk. Basically, it doesn't matter. So we have first and great. second, nobody out. And I said, yeah, it's, this is done. This is it's ballgame. TC wins. Well, then we get two quick outs. And I said, well, I've been saying this is going to turn for us. I guess it's going to have to happen with two outs in the ninth. So it just felt like the energy in the stadium, because we all felt that way, right? Like, it right. was just like, we're not losing this game, even with two outs in the ninth. Like, something's going to happen. Luke, Luke's going to at least tie this game. He's going to drop a single in the right, go the other way. Nah, he smokes a damn ball over the left field fence. I thought it hit the foul pole. It didn't hit the foul pole. It hit off the, um, the training the center. The training center. It was just an absolute bomb. The left fielder punches the wall because they lost, and it was awesome, and we were like, knew it. But I was still, I was like, I am speechless. Like, on the Twitter video, we were all celebrating, and I'm like, I'm, I'm just speechless. I have nothing to say. This so obviously, to summarize the video you guys have watched about 10 times at this point, <laughs> Luke, Luke Boyers smashes a, uh, a home run, a three-run home run to end the game. That was it. There was a walk-off home run. Totally um, awesome. Hitting the foul pole. Uh, I think Ray was crying at this point. Um, almost legit tears. I, was, <laughs> I couldn't have been so happy for Luke. For him to come through in that moment. Yeah, Ray. Okay. Why you roast my boy like that? I never once talked mad shit. (laughs) (laughs) Jeez, Ray. I just wanted my boy to be takes. I just wanted my boy to be put in a position to thrive. Guess what? We were all proud. We were hugging. We were kind of going nuts. Mm-hmm. It was definitely a fun way to end the game. So a couple frogs up for the game. Obviously, uh, Boyers is an easy one. But Gray Rogers went three for four in that first game, so that was nice to see. Could we say on Twitter? Do you remember? Go on. I'm just going to look that up. Yeah. Go on. Um, Cohen our, Feaser, for sure. Yeah, Cohen Feaser, for sure. I'm we had, we had two hits from our fourth, sixth, and seven hitters um, in the lineup, which was nice to see. They all had multiple hit games. Eli... Three walks on the on the on the game, cementing him as the most patient hitter on the team. I mean, that's something we've known for a while, but there's definitely a reason he's batting first. Uh, do we want to jump into roster construction? At Real this quick, point? our uh, tweet we had for Frogs Up TCU six Army four number one Cohen Feaser number two Luke Boyers number three Curtis Byrne number four y'all remember who number four was Bill Moziello Bill we want to talk Bill. About? Bill, 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 Bill. Bill. That's enough. Shout out, Bill. You want to get into this now or save this for uh, next segment? Like, let's let's keep recapping the games. All right, let's keep recapping the games. So, Frogs win, 6-4. Moving on to game two of the day. To jump ahead, the Frogs win the second game of the day, 6-5. So, it was Saturday evening. Army scored first again. That's a theme for the weekend. They poured on some more in the fourth. So, by that point, it was 5-1. And I'm thinking, you know what? After that... Huge game at the beginning. The, you know, TCU is just a little exhausted after all that emotion. Maybe tonight is not our night. Um, the lone, when will we learn? The lone bright spot up to that point was that David Bishop hits his second home run in the season in the third inning. Smoked it. Crushed. Crushed. Frogs wouldn't score again until the eighth, but by that point, they put, a, put together a nice rally, actually tied the game. It was 5-5 five to five before going to the ninth inning. 
So at this point, nobody does anything in the ninth, uh, but we get to the tenth inning. Uh, the Frogs get a couple walks. Eli Nunez comes up, and guess what? It's a walk-off walk. It's a shrimp alert, folks, um, and that's the end of the game. It's another walk-off win for the Frogs, except this one's just a different fashion. So you guys were there. I headed out early. It was chilly. I had some family time I needed to get to. What did you guys see from Saturday night's game? Uh, it was cold. Very cold. Uh, shout out to our friends who had the uh, the suite that let us thaw out while we could watch the game. Um, it just felt, yeah, like you said at MK. I mean, it just we were pretty flat for a while. But and even Martin and I were talking about, man, we've been here a while. We got to come back tomorrow. Do we? Yeah, and, and we said, no, that's silly because what do the frogs do? We are the lucky uh, That Okay, yes. Shout out to us. But what do, what, are the, what does the baseball team do? They come the F back. Never, back. ever quit. We said, all right, all right. We, so we're here in the eighth, and we're going to have the top of the order coming up. So we might as well watch that. And if we stay for the eighth, we might as well watch the ninth, and let's just win this game and go home happy. And if we're there for the ninth, might as well be there for the tenth. <laughs> That's true, yeah. So on the defensive side, Brett Walker, who's he's actually been locked in as our Sunday starter uh, the entire time. He went four and four point one innings uh, pitched. He gave up all five runs. So I mean, it's early. You know, he's only pitched a few times, but it was definitely the worst start of his of the season so far. In relief, we saw Caleb Bolden, Augie. Uh, Storm Hairholzer and River Ridings to close us out. So they all did their jobs, giving us only a couple more hits. But um, kind of tough to see Brett come in there and, and not have a great day. Any thoughts on that? Well, he did what he's done all season, which is, you know, pound the strike zone and pitch to contact, hope for the best. It's worked out. It didn't work out for him that night. And well, whatever, you know, it's it's going to happen. It's if, if you want to call him our number three, even though this was his second game, he pitched the second game of the series. If you got a guy that's going to pound the strike zone every now and then, that's going to catch up to you, and it did. That's okay because you know it's it's a team sport, and you got to have the other guys pick you up, and that's what happened. It was uh, it was great to see. So we've talked about a little bit on the pod, a lot in our group text, uh, the early season struggles of the bullpen, and to see them come in and just completely lock down the next six innings. I mean, that was a great sign going forward. Yeah, nobody's filling up our ads about bullpen suck now, are they? Not this weekend. Oh, okay. I stand corrected. We did get one. It is is Twitter. (laughs) Nobody's ever happy. But no, that's a great point, right? Because I was uh, watching that too. It was like, man, the bullpen really stuff. And we all kind of said, like, don't use a short sample size and make a determination. I mean, it's still non-conference. And we pointed out last week how – We've had these hiccups in non-conference, and teams end up going to Omaha. You know what I mean? So, good point. Yeah, we could we could talk a little bit about Army as well. They're they're not, you know, they got a pull. They're they're a tournament team. They've they're projected to win the Patriot League again for the fourth year in a row. And uh, you know, they went into Nashville against uh, Vanderbilt, and it's not like they got freaking whooped in, in Nashville. They kept it close. Yeah, they're a scrappy team. Yeah, they they got a pose. They made plays all weekend. Um, that I mean, that was kind of the frustrating part for us. We were hitting balls hard, and and they're catching them. That's true. Yeah, and uh, I will just say that I after we recorded last week, and I said let's just sweep these guys, whatever. Let's work out some keys. So it is what happened, but it was a lot harder than we thought it was going to be. And after we recorded, I went and read the D one report on Army, and. I saw that they were projected to win their conference, the Patriot League, for the fourth year in a row. And I said, okay, maybe their 2-7 and seven record is a little um, deceiving. deceiving. Yeah, it's a little deceiving. These guys, I don't know. And I said on Friday, I said, uh, 
we might have a little harder time than we thought with these guys. I think they're a pretty solid team. They're not really great at anything, but they're not really bad at anything either. So they made us work for these wins. So that was two walk-off wins in a single day. Woo, buddy. That was, uh, it was a long day, exciting day, a lot of emotions. So let's just say it's hard to win doubleheaders. It's hard it to sweep doubleheaders. Against anybody. Doesn't matter who yeah, the just, team is. Doesn't matter who you're playing. To see the Frogs take both of those games, was uh, that's super exciting. They're not going to be scared of anybody. They're going to believe they can beat anybody at any time, no matter the game situation. As well as we, as we well still have an out. Be. We have one out left. Let's let's use that out and go win the game. Speaking of that, so it was the third win so far in the season after, when trailing after seven innings. Mm-hmm. So those cardiac frogs continue to excite us. Um, in the in the game, we turned three double plays. Those Beardy Boys, Gray Rogers and Tommy Sacco. Yeah, shout out making, the Beardy Boys. Making moves. Uh, Bishop, three more hits. Curtis Byrne goes four for nine on the day, so in both games, which is great to see. Kind of, I think we kind of expected that type of consistency from our old buddy, our old catcher, Zach Humphreys, but watching Byrne come in there and just kind of smoke the day was, was great Absolutely. to see. Absolutely. So our frogs up for this one, uh, TCU 6, Army 5. Number one, River Ridings. Number two, David Bishop. Number three, cut that out, please. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> long view. Uh, all right, number two, David Bishop. Number three, Elijah Nunez. Number four, Augie Milbauer. Good to see him get back on track, even though he doesn't have a Twitter account. Can we go back to uh, River. River, his first multi-inning appearance of the year was super solid. Yep, and Good to see that he can go, you know, multiple I think he had, innings. He had a two-inning appearance in our in the eight-out phase. I stand corrected. Still great to see. Live on the pod? I can't believe you made a mistake. (laughs) All right, let's move on to game three. That was today on Sunday. The final was five to three frogs. It was sweep Sunday, fellas. Yes, sir. Um, Austin Krobe gives up four runs in the first, which Army immediately, excuse me, four hits in the first. They immediately play two runs. Eventually he strikes out three, but again, it was kind of a rough start, and we're thinking, oh, no, what's, what's going on with Austin? Um, so frogs get three runs in the second inning after kind of a million walks. It seems like by Army they can, and we continue to smoke balls in the outfield. The most boring three runs ever. Si- similar to the Friday or the, excuse me, the Saturday first game, we just could not get those balls to drop. Nunez had two that went. They were smoked, but they went straight to the left fielder. David so they, Bishop as well. Yeah, David Bishop uh, claimed. You know that's when you were like smoke out of here, yeah, gone, and they caught it on the, the wind. Track. It got hung up yeah. in the wind. So uh, in the fifth inning, Gray. Uh, Punches across uh, Braden Taylor for the, the to go up four to two. Uh, Luke Savage ended up coming in for relief. Uh, we had an Owen Blackledge sighting, so that was kind of interesting. Yep. Uh, and then Marcelo Perez comes in in the ninth. He's throwing straight heat, 95, 96 miles an hour, and we close out the day five to three to get the sweep on the weekend. It was a nice weekend. Any any thoughts from today's game, guys? It was definitely a, a little disheartening to see Crobe after last week's struggle come out and kind of continue those struggles again. Um, it looked like he was going to get out of the inning one batter sooner. And David Bishop had a fantastic defensive series. Um, a lot of great plays, a lot of picks. Um, just was making plays all weekend. Somehow he ended up dropping a comebacker to Crobe. Crobe kind of tossed it over and it just hit off the palm of Bishop's glove and that loaded the bases, and it was after Army Army had already scored two runs. So, like, God, man, this is uh, – and you can see – Crobe was visually frustrated out there. Like, I'm going to kill this freshman kind of frustrated. <laughs> but what was really, really cool about that moment, it was uh, Crobe gets on the mound, and he fires a first-pitch fastball to the next hitter, 96 miles an hour on the inside part of the plate. Hitter fouls it off. 
And eventually, Krobe strikes the guy out, and it's like, okay, so something went, the inning's been going bad, and something went really bad when we thought we were done with the inning, but Krobe was still able to rebound and get out of the, I, I really like, that was my favorite part of the inning after all the bad parts, was Krobe uh, coming back. Yeah, the way he was able to bottle those emotions. Uh... <laughs> Ray, speak into the microphone, please. <laughs> The way he was able to bot, uh, bottle those emotions and not let it negatively affect him because that's uh, something that he's dealt with in the past is trying to control those emotions. So to, to take that negative moment and then spend it into a strikeout, kind of an FU strikeout. Right. Use it for positive. And then go out and then dominate the next, uh, what do you pitch, two, three more innings after that? He had a very easy second and third, ran into a little trouble in the fourth, and uh, eventually pitched his way out of it. I think he got pulled in the fifth. Do I have that right, MK? Um, yeah, that sounds right. Okay. So, yeah, he definitely uh, settled down a little bit. Um, I don't know what the rotation is going to look like going forward, but I hope that this starts a positive trend for Krobe after the Kentucky um, disaster, if you want to yeah, call it that. Kentucky disaster, and then the bad first inning today. He got back on track. I hope that continues going forward. After the break, we'll be back with post-game beers to talk about some series themes and some bigger picture stuff we've seen over the season. Post-game beers podcast brought to you by Long Drink, the Finnish legend of 1952. I'm partial to the 8.5% myself, but the sugar-free one, also delicious. Shout out to our guy KR for always supplying us with our beverages for the pod. Welcome back to Postgame Beers. Let's talk roster construction. So on last week's episode, you heard the LBC boys break down maybe some thoughts we had about um, our second hole hitter, uh, as well as what we might want to do with plugging some guys in there. We One of the suggestions was actually bringing David Bishop up from the four spot into the two. What we saw starting on Saturday was that everybody bumped up. So we had Elijah Nunez in, uh, leading off. Braden Taylor jumped from three to two, and David Bishop just plugged into the third spot. And Luke Boyers was brought all the way down to the seven hole. So um, it was a surprise, to be completely honest. Uh, we weren't necessarily expecting all that to to happen so quickly. But I literally didn't think it was real when I saw it. I thought it was in, like, number order or something. I punched Jacob four times whenever I saw yeah. it. And I almost elbowed him in my nose. Yeah. I had a dream that Braden Taylor was well, that's yeah. what I wanted last week. Like you said, David Bishop, but what I personally wanted was Braden okay, up there. But let's, let's go ahead. Go ahead. So, where, when was the dream, Martin? Was that last night? Uh, literally the night before the Friday night. Friday night. You dreamed about about Braden Taylor? Yeah, I did too. I drank. I'm not kidding. I did. Looking at the <laughs> roster, seeing how good he is at getting on base. Was like, so, <laughs> so, 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 real quick, mine was okay. So this this is like embarrassing because I think about TC baseball too much. But mine was that I was actually on the field, kind of like like media pass or whatever. And Braden Taylor like hit a single the opposite way, and everybody in this like the stands were completely full, and it was like high school teams and stuff, and they were like watching his at bat on like everybody's crowd around the uh, like an iPad watching his at bat again, breaking it down because like this is. This is the guy you need to model yourself after. I woke up like, man, I gotta like chill out on TC baseball a little bit. <laughs> this LDC dream segment. I know what the hell. And then we, Martin tells me he's like, I was dreaming about the lineup. It's gonna expand. We'll see. All right, go on, go so, on. Go so on. with that said, I think we were all pleased with what happened. Then and you know, we saw Luke Boyers go 
uh, have two hits in that first game with the bunt and the, the uh, right. obvious um, walk-off home runs. That was great to see him. But can we talk about maybe some, you know, in the bottom of the order, maybe some of the concerns we have with specifically the eighth and ninth um, hitters. Now, now, you know, you don't always expect them to be your best hitters. Obviously, they're at the bottom of the order. But we've seen guys shuffle around. We've got Porter Brown in there. He's hitting, unfortunately, only 200 with one extra base hit. We've got Reed Spenreth, who's been, um, un- unfortunately, under 200. He's at 185 with only one extra base hit. Uh, Logan Maxwell uh, had actually a pretty good day today, so he bumped his uh, average up to 333. But we're still figuring out those two guys in the DH, specifically the DH spot. And so we've got Logan, Garrison Berkeley, Mason Speaker, Hunter Toplansky. We've seen a number of folks, and I want to get your thoughts on what we've um, you know concerned so far. Right. So a lot of the um, conversations we've had on Twitter from people, it's concerns about pitching, right? And uh, in the I think that comes from in the past we've had teams with a roster full of major league pitchers that have covered up a lot of warts on offense, right? So it does, nobody really paid attention to what the offense was doing because our pitching was shutting teams out every single game, right? So this year, maybe our pitching isn't – Ray, I'm going to slap you in the – okay, so I want you to leave this in. <laughs> I'm going to. I'm also leaving you what you said earlier. <laughs> I'm over here trying to talk frog ball, and I got Ray taking vape hits and blowing them in my face, and I'm going to slap him. As a dad, Back on track. <laughs> as a dad and a father, I don't approve of this. It's making MK nervous, and he might go solo at some point. So MK, look for the MK. Does podcast. it feel like two of your kids just trying to annoy each other? Is that, is that pop marijuana? But since I am a professional, I will fight through this. I'm not a professional. Anyway, so like like I was saying, in the past we've had dominant pitching staffs that covered up a lot of warts on offense, right? So this year maybe we don't have that. And we obviously it's it's never good when you're shuffling guys in and out of the DH spot and your DH is hitting nine. So yeah, I, I feel like we're playing whack-a-mole with offensive problems. Like we talked we keyed on the two hole last week and it feels like we figured that out. Now we gotta move on to something else and it's the DH. So I want everybody to chill out on our pitching a little bit. Are they dominant? Are they full of major leaguers? I mean, not right now, but let's fix our offense a little bit. Like, we came into the Army Series, I think we were tied for 215th in home runs. Is that good? That's not good. I don't think that's that's very good. That's not good. Now, we did hit um, three in the doubleheader yesterday, of course, because as soon as we pointed out the problem, they started hitting home runs. But I even – I said coming inside, if we don't hit three home runs this weekend – I'm going on a rant on the podcast. So. Go ahead, Ray. Uh, Jacob and I were talking in the stands, and I thought he uh, made a good point. It's never a good sign for a team whenever you have to hide your DH in the ninth hole. As I said. Did you even, no, you were saying they used uh, Can you re- replay the tape, Reed? Uh, <laughs> Producer Reed, can you replay the tape? Well, (laughs) we're feeling a little. Listen, we're drinking long drink. We just swept army. We're feeling good. So you know what? If you want a professional podcast, go some long drink. The finish. (laughs) 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 Okay, so what else do we want to hit on before we move into? uh, I guess the Baylor. You know, I got another thought on the uh, on the DH thing. I mean, when's the last time we've had, like, a legit DH who's going to DH all year? You know, we usually plug, on him, bro. We plug guys in in and out. 
Luking because he got yeah because he got hurt yeah Yeah, so not too worried about the DH spot and we got Porter Brown you know he's done it in the past Michael Landestoy he's hit in the past so uh, you know I I I see him getting back on track especially once we start you know conference play so I'm not too worried about it I'd I'd like to see uh, Logan Maxwell you know hit the ball more I think he's coming along yeah I I don't have the stats in front of me but I feel like he's producing more as time goes he's a good day today he's definitely one of those guys who's extremely patient but like when you know he's down or when he's up in the count 2-0 you know I'd like to see him swing at that ball that's coming right down the middle do you think that's about I'm sorry Reed go ahead you said a lot of that about and I was just going to say, do you think that's a um, philosophy coming from Bill where when you have a freshman, it's, all right, when you're adjusting to the college game, see a lot of pitches, work the counts, don't go up there, hack it, just, you know, work. because Eli's been a lot more aggressive this year and he's hitting the crap out of the ball. And now we have Logan, like you said, who's being super patient. Yeah, the, the biggest difference I see this year between uh, Eli from last season and this season is when he gets down two strikes, he has that ability to freaking stroke a ball, you know. This Especially week, the other way. Yeah, this this week I don't think he obviously he didn't do as well as he did in Kentucky. But I mean he smashed some balls and some guys just, you know, were there in the right. He was still spot. productive though. Oh yeah, super productive. But that's the biggest difference I've seen from this year and last year. Last year, you know, when he gets down two strikes, you know, he has that freaking the best high on the team. He sees it, you know, a little bit outside. It's probably a ball, but the you know, but it's college jumper. Jump yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So this year, I, the biggest difference I've seen is those balls that are, you know, borderline. He's still putting a good swing on them, and and they're sometimes they're finding. Dang, that's a good point, dog. Go ahead, Ray. <laughs> For me, I'd like to see a little bit more of Hunter Toplansky. I was thank uh, you. Yes. He played, uh, started against Louisville, went three for one, had two walks. Whoa, 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 whoa. He went three for one. Or one for three. Check your fingers. Yeah, sorry. Uh, thank you, long drink. <laughs> <laughs> so what, yeah, yeah, no, he was good. He, he, I think he had a walk and a hit. Two walks. Um, two walks, hitting out of that eight spot. Uh, yeah, I was going to say the same thing. You beat me to it. I want to see, you know, if we're going to have a revolving door DH ball figured out, then let's get to Plansky some in bats. We right? just haven't seen him at all. He's only been about four times. Because he was, uh, and Martin, help me out here, but he was um, a high drive prospect, right? Uh, one of the highest guys um, in Texas. Okay. Uh, I don't know if he was a high draft prospect. How long, how big was the draft this year? Like 10, 10 uh, rounds? 20 rounds. 20 rounds, yeah. I mean, he probably would have been a guy. Okay, like, maybe I'm misremembering him, but I felt like he was kind of a high draft prospect that we were lucky to get on campus. And that could be just uh, him through his agent reaching out, or maybe he doesn't have an agent, but his people telling MLB teams that, hey, I'm set on going to TCU. True that. And I, I think um, whether it's Spinrap or Porter Brown, one of those guys is going to figure it out. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be patient with that DH spot. It definitely sucks to see a revolving door there out of the nine hole with your DH. You want production out of the DH, right? So somebody needs to step up and win that job, and I'm pretty confident in both Reed and Porter Brown. Like, Porter Brown was hot last year, so it's just a matter of time for him. And Reed, whenever you see Reed up there, it's like it's just a matter of time before he just starts cranking curveballs over the trees on the Berry Street, right? It's not like Reed ever looks overmatched at the plate. Yeah, it looks a little behind. It's like it's like a timing thing. Yeah, that's probably right. Probably Some of those curveballs though, yeah. he's swinging right over the top. A lot of them they're dropping in the in the dirt. And I think I even called it on we his did third call it today. on his third strike at the at his last at bat today. It's like if they throw another curveball in the dirt, he's going to swing for it. And exactly, that's exactly what he did. And that's just an adjustment thing that hopefully will get better as time goes. So. All right, some uh, some good uh, big picture stuff that we've uh, talked about. Let's jump into Twitter questions. Yes, Thank sir. you guys for submitting um, our first question from um, at 
staff PPT MSG Adam S. Are you lads in Waco this weekend? Yes, sir. Uh, Adam, uh, we may or, so Adam says we may maybe there on Saturday. TCU crowd would be nice, fellas. Yeah, Friday and Saturday, right? We'll be there Friday, Saturday. Back here with the boys on yeah, Sunday. We're gonna have to record after the Sunday game. So yeah. Yeah. DM me if you need a ride. Also, too, on that note, if um, if we can get 20 people committing to go either Friday and or Saturday, the tickets are $5, so hit us up. On if you want to add Lupton Beers, if you're interested in going to the game, we can get cheaper tickets yeah, for you, so uh, do that. Um, Adam also asked, do we invoke hashtag Lupton Magic when beating Army Baseball? He saw it. Army is a team TCU is supposed to be better than three out of three games. Compare that with Olsen Magic. Look, we talked about it earlier. Army is not scrub, right? They played us really hard. They were also very lucky. I don't know if we hit on that point enough, but like we've like we said a hundred times this podcast, we're never gonna quit on the game. And you know, when TC decides to play, I win, and that's what happens. Yeah. So when you get Lupton Magic against Army, that is a real branch of the military. Where Olson uh, Magic, that's a fake branch of the military. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's All right. Good, that he's talking. Reed's confused. He's talking about AM, the core cadets. Oh, okay. yeah. Thomas. It was good. At Alfheim Thomas <laughs> asks Is pitching a concern with this team, or do you all think pitchers have just not settled in yet? I think we answered a lot of that yeah. on the pod today. Yeah, um, I mean, they're just not, they're not winning games by being super, super dominant. And it's, uh, I want to say it's more about we need more offensive production because there's just too much talent in that lineup to have such uh, little power. All right, let's move on to a, uh, a very serious question. Uh, go ahead, uh, Ray. Well, I was going to say uh, to the bullpen, we figured out we've got at least four winning pieces that in big games that you feel like you can rely on. You've got River Ridings. You've got uh, Cohen Feaster who stepped into that role. You've got Caleb Bolden. Uh, Tommy Vale is still a good option out of the pin. Tommy Vale, I feel and like is a guy Marcelo Perez. Yeah, Marcelo, and uh, I feel like Tommy Vale is more of a situational guy. When you got a lefty up there and you're in a tight jam, I think he can come in and get that out. So despite uh, his twenty, yeah, no, I mean it's well, a little unfair because he's pitched like an inning and a third. That and well, even when he's come in, it's like he comes in and gets the lefty out that he was intended to get out, and then they leave him in until he starts getting hit around. So maybe he's just a situational guy. At figure four-pointer. Oh, here we go. Jay. Okay, so we just had to pause because Reed um, called me out for fiddling with my mic. So I'm sorry for any kind of noise that came over the mic. I need to be a professional and concentrate. Yeah, I know. And I noticed that last week too. It just kind of got distracted and started playing like, I don't know, hitting the table or something. So my kids, my kids, I promise uh, we're, we're, we're learning. It's all about getting better one day at a time. My kids and bite their fingernails and I'm, I'm teaching them every day. And yeah. you don't say, stop touching you. Yeah, I just get excited. Leave the base to, to Cardi hands. B. I don't know what to do with my hands. Anyway, so our buddy Jay right. at figure four pointer asks, um, what a serious question. So, I want to take some serious time to think about this, but what if instead of an outfield fence scoreboard, the fence was made of a series of large flat screen TVs broadcasting all the games? Okay, he's breaking our balls, but I actually love the idea. I love it. Because I, what we're talking about today, I'm so lost on the national scene because I've been so locked on the frog ball. So what I, was awesome about the not about this weekend, but the previous weekend when we're watching the game and at, at the breaks... They, kept they, they put up the TCU yeah. basketball game on, exactly. the, on the big screen, and the fans are into it. It was I love awesome. It. Yeah, it's a great idea. The players were into it. There was a picture of uh, the four infielders just standing, staring, watching a right. T 
TCU play uh, Kansas. And somebody snapped a picture of that, and the basketball team saw that, and it was like, dang, that's love right there. So that was cool. Next question by Jay. Any chance they put a little more color in the ball uh, this season so the hitter can pick it up easier? I won't address that, but I will say I like using a yellow golf ball on the course because I have bad eyes. So I was just about to say I use a bright <laughs> golf ball too on the golf course. So the only thing is, if you put a little more color in there, then you know when it spins, depending on the spin rate of the pitcher, we can go into that a little bit. Um, Let's not. It's going to look like move on. <laughs> it's going to look like a rainbow. Next step in question um, is Ray reading this. That's from J two. No. Are there blankets hanging on the walls? No, we ordered some. Um, what do you call what? Ray, you ordered them. What are these? Are uh, uh, foam audio pads that are supposed to absorb all the all our echoes? Oh, so he's asking. But about it doesn't a uh, hot situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because gotcha. you know how last week we hung the blankets. We did hang blankets last weekend. You're We're right. getting better one day at a time, y'all. Be patient with us, please. Next question uh, from Tom Elias: Who is the best under radar player to this point? Uh, for me, that would be Cohen Feaster. You know, we really heard nothing about him until Kirk brought him up on his uh, before-the-season radio show there at Railhead. And that sent us scrambling. Uh, who is Cohen Feaster? But that dude is a taker of souls on the mound. That's what he is. Not under the radar because you guys know his name, but I've, I've been very impressed with Tommy Sacco this year. He's, um, you know, we've known him for his defensive um, attributes. Not always um, when he's when he's hitting, and he's close to 400 at this point in the season. So I've been very impressed with the way that he's coming through for the Frogs. Yeah, so I'm just sitting here wondering, under the radar as far as before the season started, if that's the case, then David Bishop, because, I mean, 3-4 hitter. Uh, tied with the uh, team lead in home runs now, who's big RBI guy. So I, I'll have to go with David Bishop. And it never feels like a moment is too big for him. When he's up, you almost expect him to come through. Obviously, it helps to you know be batting in a third and fourth position, but leading the team in RBIs as a freshman, pretty big. So. Thank you, uh, Braden Taylor, for getting on base in front of him. And Eli. And Eli. And Eli. It still doesn't help my slurry voice sometimes. <laughs> we'll be back right after this to break down the next series versus Baylor. Postgame Beers, presented by Sarlos & Sons Family, Farm, and Vineyards, located in Santa Barbara County, California. Santa Barbara County was actually voted as the Wine Enthusiast 2021 Region of the Year. And not only is the family's vineyard located in the industry's number one region, but they are literally the poster child for that region. Wine Enthusiasts selected their vineyard to be the cover photo for the award. Head on over to sarlosandsons.com to shop the 2022 winter allocation and join the family today. Thanks for submitting your Twitter questions, guys. Really appreciate it. We're going to jump ahead to the week of games for the Frogs. Um, I'm going to jump straight past Texas A&M Corpus on Tuesday. Uh, we better beat the Islanders on walking uh, taco night. Yeah, it'll know? be uh, time to see these uh, more un- more of the under-the-radar guys. There you go. We'll see on Tuesdays. Next weekend, Frogs meet up in Waco to battle Baylor. Uh, this is the... First Big 12 series that the Frogs will play. We've got a game on Friday night at 6.30, 3 p.m. on Saturday, 1 on Sunday. Baylor at this point is 9-6. and six. Um, They uh, just beat Columbia this weekend. They've matched up well so far against their ranked opponents. So Baylor's had an odd scheduling quirk. Uh, Ten of their first 15 games have been at home, not including four in Houston, so a short drive away, including the Shriners Classic, 
and a matchup against Rice. So they've basically had zero travel so far this this season, and they won't step outside of Texas until uh, late March, uh, their matchup against uh, Oklahoma. They started off the year getting swept by Maryland, which at the time uh, we laughed at, to be honest. Uh, but Maryland is 11-2 at this point. They're ranked 24 by D1, so they'll definitely be competing to win the Big Ten. Um, they won the next big series against Duke and had a great weekend in the Shriners Classic going 2-1. and one. They had wins over UCLA, LSU, losing only to Tennessee. So for any team that would have stepped in that position, that's a really successful weekend for Baylor. Yeah, it's uh, their schedule or their team's been kind of, like you said, odd. Uh, they'll drop these weird games, like dropping a game to Columbia, but then they'll go out and just completely dominate LSU. So let's talk about a few players that we need to watch out for, maybe discuss. Um, so far, not counting today's games, only one batter in their starting lineup is actually hitting over 300. That's their first baseman, Chase Weisner, I want to say. Weisner. Um, he's hitting exactly 300. Their right fielder, Kyle Nevin, he's leading the team with a couple home runs and RBIs. And then we've got one other player, uh, Jack Pineda, their shortstop. He's the lone batter slugging over 400. So, so far, I think from an offensive standpoint, it's kind of been unimpressive from their from the Baylor team. Martin, are there any guys that are underperforming so far for the Bears? Yeah, definitely. Uh, you got Jared McKenzie. He's an outfielder for Baylor. He's a preseason All-American and he's one of the top-rated, I think he's like top 50 by MLB.com. Uh, draft his, prospect? Yeah, draft prospect for this year's draft. Um, but I think he's in like 185 after today's game. So he's off to a slow start. We just got to make sure that the TCU series isn't like a get-it-right series for him. Moving on to some pitching. They've got an ace on Friday night. His name is Tyler Thomas. He's 3-1 and one in the season. His ERA is under 1 at this point, including... Um, a stellar performance versus UCLA. He had 10 Ks against the Bears in, in the Shriners Classic. Um, their second starter, Jake Jackson, another weekend uh, starter, but he, he's got the second most innings up, up so far. After that, they've kind of bumped a few, few different guys around on Sunday, uh, but they've been actually testing a new freshman out. His last name is Rigney. Uh, he's been good in the last couple Sundays. He's a sophomore. He's a sophomore, excuse yeah. me. So, the, you know, the pen right. has been, their bullpen has been up and down. Nobody impressive, really, to, to kind of mention so far. But, you know, I think if the Frogs walk in to Waco and somehow are able to touch up Tyler Thomas on Friday night, uh, maybe maybe sneak that game out because he's their ace, this could be an easy series for the Frogs because the next two uh, are definitely not definite starters and they're certainly not uh, a definite winners so far. To uh, Tyler Thomas, he's going to be tough for this Frogs lineup to touch up. You know, we've discussed all year about their struggles against left-handed pitchers, and Tyler is a left-handed pitcher. But to the overall weekend, if you can just get two of three out of this weekend, that will set you up pretty nicely going more into conference play. Yeah, Tyler Thomas is going to be tough. Like you said, he has an ERA what, under one. It's under one at this point. Yeah, that's going to be tough, you know, especially since we struggle with lefties. But uh, Jake Jackson, I know a little bit more about him. He's a Nevada transfer. Um, he is a guy who is a lot of the scouts like him. Um, he just hasn't been able to put up some good numbers, mostly because Nevada, you know, the, the high altitude and stuff and all the uh, Mountain the West. Course. Yeah, all, all, all of the uh, Mountain West teams, you know, they got that high altitude. So those are, those are real hitters' parts. 
I don't think he's doing much better this year. I think he's got another ERA in the six, but he's a guy who could figure it out uh, and be a tough Saturday guy for us. So not a uh, superb start to the bear, you know, the bear season. They're nine and six. They, you know, when you get swept in that first series by three games, it's kind of a rough um, thing to figure out. But they're, they're pitching; they're still figuring themselves out. But then going back to you know what we've been talking about all year, we're still figuring out a few things on our batting order from TCU's perspective. So. Um, I think it'll be a good matchup. We do expect, uh, you know, we're not going to put uh, our predictions necessarily, but I think we do expect to walk in and hopefully win two of the three games in Waco. Any last thoughts on specific players or maybe the series next weekend, guys? Well, with the way this road schedule sets up for TCU, they've got a tough conference road schedule. So if you can go into this weekend and get two of three from Baylor, it's going to position you nicely to be at the top of the Big 12 uh, as you move into May. Just want to shout out my buddy Maxwell Garner, previous player at Baylor. I reached out to him and just asked him for some advice on what the Baylor Bears are doing. So, you know, I, I do hate the Baylor Bears. So I don't hate Max. So. Me too, brother. All right, fellas uh, and, and ladies who are listening, we appreciate uh, our demographic. What's it like? Like 15, 8%. 8%. <laughs> hey, those those 8%ers, uh, we love you guys too. It's, so It's all the moms. Moms? Um, I'm not going to say I love you because you've got husbands who care about you, but uh, we appreciate you guys listening. So we've got a great uh, week ahead. The first Big 12 series coming up against the Baylor Bears next weekend, Friday through Sunday, uh, with a matchup on Tuesday. Can't wait to talk to you guys again. Thanks for listening to Post Game Beers. Go Frogs. Go Frogs.